Welcome to The Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. We'd like to welcome today, for the very first time, Carlin Conklin, Executive Vice President and Principal at IMG, the Investment Management Group, a syndication of investors to acquire value-added multifamily properties throughout the U.S. with headquarters in Woodland Hills, California. Carlin, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Thank you, Charlie. I appreciate being here. So, Carlin, uh, you came uh, with an MBA from the University of Oregon, so you're a duck, and you've had your entire career, I understand, in commercial real estate. Uh, and in addition, you've been the director of the Lindquist Center for Entrepreneurship at the University of Oregon and taught marketing and entrepreneurship there. So give us a 30-second background of yours, will you? Yes. So my background is in operations, so before I did uh, commercial real estate, it was um, operations and improving operations for, for larger companies. Um, uh, did teach entrepreneurship. Uh, had a, a lot of good times uh, helping to launch breweries and, and uh, 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 companies such as that. Uh, and then when the end of the 90s happened, uh, I looked around and I saw that all the growth was in something that was not tangible like dot-coms and made a, uh, made a very important decision that I wanted something tangible, something that was operational-based, and that's why I launched into uh, investment real estate and commercial real estate. So I've been in uh, commercial real estate since about 2000. Okay, well, congratulations for surviving in a challenging uh, era here. So uh, tell us about IMG, the Investment Management Group. What is the strategy you guys follow in uh, doing uh, value-added multifamily properties? And uh, kind of what, what sets you apart here? So Investors Management Group, I have two partners, uh, Neil Schimmel, who is a 30-year real estate veteran, and uh, Mark Gordon, who is uh, our partner in capital markets uh, person, financial person. Um, we, our strategy is this. We are looking through uh, multifamily real estate. We're, act, we're looking to add value to that real estate. And by adding value, whether it's improving a property, it's improving um, operations, what we are able to do is create a better community for our tenants, and we are able to create value and growth in the capital that our investors invest with us. We, at the start of this cycle, right after the downturn, all of our investors were institutional partners. So we were doing large family offices, you know, institutional partners with funds. We were buying uh, properties early in the cycle in, you know, 2010, 11, 12, and so on. And as the mark, as this, this cycle is maturing, what we began to see is that the institutions, we were, we were, we were moving in a different direction than our partners. Our partners were wanting to buy quick. They were wanting to drive uh, the property's value up as the market was was uh, coming up, and we did incredible. Our partners did incredible. We were getting 25, 35, 40 IRRs, but it was a quick move. And as the market started changing, what we began to realize is the our capital 
niche that is not being met or was not being met are for those accredited investors who are more mature. Uh, they are looking for a good operator and a good sponsor, and they're not into quick, you know, let's do a quick flip. Let's, let's place 1031 money, so exchange money from uh, the sale of other property, or let's just invest and let's grow over time. Maybe a five or six year hold, reasonable returns as the market has matured. And that is what we are doing today. We are working with um, accredited high net worth investors who are placing anywhere from 25000 to 2 or $3 million with us um, in, in the acquisition of value-add multifamily real estate. Okay, so, so tell us, uh, Carlin, one, why are you in multifamily? You know what? Um, because you can't, you can't teach old dogs new tricks. Is that the answer? <laughs> um, uh, Neil, Mark, and I, that's what we have always done. And, you, you know, even back in, for me, in 2001 and 2002, when I looked at commercial, you know, let's, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll sell this retail uh, center or buy this and that. To me, it felt highly risky because if something happened or, or an anchor tenant left, the investor or the owner could have a high risk if you could not fill that, that, that uh, vacancy again. And at the end of the day, all of us need housing. We have to find homes. And so if it was retail or office, it could take six or eight or 12 months to fill a vacancy, uh, or if the market gets soft to, to, to try to break even. In multifamily, leases are relatively short. Uh, if you ha- are having issues, you can always raise the rent, excuse me, lower the rent, or you can add concessions and so that you can fill your building. So for us, it was simply a decision of early on of risk return. And today it's because, you know, we consider ourselves expert in this field. So this is what we do. Okay. What, what geographies are you in now? So, uh, you know, I know it sounds crazy. My office is in Portland. My partners are in uh, outside of L.A. in Woodland Hills. And yet, we, we are national. So we have, but we focus on six, seven metros is all in the country. We have properties in Portland and in Seattle. So those are our West Coast properties. We have uh, properties in uh, Denver. I, I happen to be doing this podcast from Denver today. Uh, we have properties in North Carolina, in Charlotte and Raleigh. We are also in Georgia and uh, also in Florida. So those are, those are the metros that we focus on. And what are the size projects you do? How many units, uh, you know, the, 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 the cost uh, the, uh, going in, et cetera? So the economies of scale matter. So we can't... We, we, can't, uh, we can't make money at small buildings. That's not the company that we are. Our buildings are typically 150 to 350 units where you can get a real economy of scale. Uh, we're looking at, you know, pricing today uh, going in, or let's not do pricing, let's do equity. Our equities that we are raising for our buildings are anywhere from $12 million to $18 or $19 million per property. A lot of uh, sponsors, such as ourselves, they will form a fund. They will say, let's raise 50 to 100 million and investors place your money in the fund and you will get diversification by us then placing that equity in multiple deals. That is not our model. Our model is we are raising money for each 
properties separately. And in that way, we can, of course, take ex- exchange dollars in a tenancy in common model. But we, we raise every, every, you know, next week we're starting on a building, and that'll be a $15 million raise. And, you know, a month later we'll do another building, but each building is separate. With that said, we have investors who place, you know, 100000 in every one of our buildings, so they're getting that diversification themselves by going into multiple buildings. But we don't have a fund. We have, we're raising equity for each building specifically. Okay, and I believe that is a little bit different. So mm-hmm. what you have to do, Carlin, as we all know, is uh, you have to raise money. Okay. Yes. So what misperceptions do you see by investors or their advisors in investing in your type of projects? What do they not understand that you wish they understood better? What they, so here, here's the biggest challenge today, which might be totally different than the biggest challenge five years ago. But the biggest challenge today is investors have to temper their expectations of returns. They're looking today on forward projections, looking to the looking behind the boat. So just because we could get a 30 IRR or a 25 IRR um, buying a property in 2011 and selling it in 2015, you can't do that today. Everything is different. Uh, interest rates are higher. Uh, competition to buy is higher. Uh, regulation is higher, and so what we we sort of give a mini you know uh, lecture to all of our new investors, and, and it's this: these are targeted returns off fairly cons- cons- conservative projections, but you need to understand. You can't say some you know I saw another performa for example that's projecting a 22 IRR, and uh, we don't believe that's real because. Everything has moved. Uh, uh, the, the the interest rates are going to go up again, and so we want investors to understand that real estate, in compared to the stock market, is illiquid. Um, but secondly, they need to temper their expectations for uh, the, for the next part of this cycle. Well, it sounds like uh, conversations that stockbrokers have with people in the stock market these days. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. T- tempered uh, expectations here uh, seem to be kind of everywhere except cryptocurrency, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so uh, what kind of uh, protections do you offer uh, to the investors in terms of loan-to-value of money that you borrow, et cetera, et cetera? We are typically at 60 to 65% loan-to-value, and we don't go higher. Uh, we, we perceive that as risky. Uh, and, you know, when, uh, when the market collapsed in 2009 and started digging itself out in around 2010, uh, back, in, back in that short period of time, what I did, uh, you know, we we're all looking for what do you do when the market is, is down that deep. Um, I, I work with several lenders, and I uh, sold notes, or I helped to do some workouts. Uh, actually, Neil did the same thing. And what we found is, uh, as a as a as a class of real estate, far less multifamily uh, was lost compared to the other commercial classes. But the multifamily that was lost was uh, was because they they couldn't refinance their loans. The principal was, you know, there was a loan maturity. They could not, they could not 
get a new loan. They couldn't come up to the to a difference between what they might get in the loan and what the property was worth that day. And they had no choice but to give their property up. There was that was the only resolution. And so what we try to do is besides going with a little bit lower leverage, is we we are trying to give our investors maximum flexibility so that they can uh, make decisions not because of loans. And I know that might sound crazy, but let me give you an example. So uh, pre-cycle, we were putting 10-year money. You know, we put 10-year money on almost everything. And But when you put 10-year commercial money on, you always have yield maintenance or defeasance, and it's big. I mean, if you want to get out of a loan at five or six years, your prepayment penalty can be a, a million or $2 million. And that seems a little crazy, but also if you if you are stuck with that kind of a prepayment penalty, you cannot be strategic in selling or refinancing because every decision you make is not on the property, it's on what your loan is doing. I mean, you know, it doesn't make any sense. And so what we do now with our loans is this. When we do a, an initial acquisition, we're putting on variable rate money with a, an interest rate cap, five years interest only, 10-year loan. So no matter what happens in the next 10 years, we at least know we have the protection of debt. And with the cap, you know, we're feeling pretty good about that too. And what we have been doing with our investor groups is we start that way, you know, we're going to feel good about the property, we're going to feel good about the market, and we go at about three years into the the, uh, ownership and we'll do an analysis on whether we should sell or whether we should uh, refinance and do a large cash distribution and continue to hold. And so in 2018, we had two of our investor groups decide to refinance with a cash distribution and hold, and we had one group make the determination to sell. So that, that's, that's what we do with debt. Debt is a critical component of all of these because leverage helps with your return, but we're doing it so that we can still make strategic decisions about the real estate, not just about what a loan is going to do to us. Okay. Uh, speaking of interest rates, okay, they're going to rise. Uh, we thought it would happen before now. Uh, it hasn't. In fact, last few days have even gone down. But they're going to be rising over the coming years. Uh, how are you prepared for that, and how do you see that impacting your projects? The interest rate is uh, going to impact cash flow, period. So our investor groups are... Uh, like I said earlier, uh, today we do some JVs, but with most of our investor groups, uh, they're high net worth individuals. I would say the average age of our investor is probably 60. Um, they, and a majority of our investors have, de- have, have owned, uh, multifamily real estate in the past, even if it was just a duplex. So they, they, they understand the elements of multifamily real estate. And so with these, with these investors, they understand, they understand what's going on. And what we try to do is when we're structuring our deals is we're trying to structure so that we have a minimum of a 5% annualized cash on cash. And so we, we temper that and we give them what if scenarios on what would happen if we something crazy went on and the interest rate on our loans went up to the the cap which is typically five and a half to five and, and three quarters for us and what that would do to their cash flow 
and and they look at that and they say, you know what, I may not be getting the seven or eight percent that I'm I want, but it still is a it still is a good cash on cash return. I know what the worst case scenario is. I'm satisfied. So our philosophy is is that our best investors are investors who have all the information that we have. They understand their risks, and then they make an educated decision on whether or not to invest. Okay. Now, speaking of your your investors, you you mentioned uh, your high net worth uh, individuals. Uh, Do you work with any institutions anymore? Do you work with primarily advisors, and they're the ones who are bringing you these investors? Or do you work directly with the investors? Charlie, we do it all. So we have uh, we have uh, done even in the last year several uh, JV uh, acquisitions in which uh, we we joint ventured with an institution. So we are still doing some of those acquisitions. The majority of our acquisitions right now um, are in a tenancy and common model, and with that model, we are able to take 1031 exchange dollars. And so we we will we will be contacted directly by uh, uh, investors who are in exchanges. We we also have a very large database of our own investors. But then we do have uh, we're, we're contacted constantly by wealth management firms who would like to place some of their investors in what is con- what is considered now alternative investment, which is real estate. Right. And so we from from wealth managers and wealth management firms and family offices, I would say any one of our acquisitions has uh, from one to four million dollars from wealth management firms such as that. Okay, so let's change the subject just a little bit here. Uh, and Carlin, uh, what's the best advice you've ever heard, read, or received about investing? Know the operator. And so it, it, somebody could, could buy or, or see an extraordinary piece of real estate, you know, let's just say in Boulder, Colorado. And that, that extraordinary piece of real estate, if it is not operated well, that extraordinary piece of real estate is very probably going to have um, a, a tenant base that it, that uh, declines. The the quality of the asset could decline, and so what somebody told me was, you know, in, in commercial real estate, you got to know operations. And I'm like, I'm an operations person. I can do this, but it's it's also it's also understanding that that multifamily in particular, this is an operating business. The, there's there's income, there's expenses, there's there's a physical asset, and so knowing the operator becomes a critical part of the decision to invest, so that you know that the you know I don't care if you're putting in twenty five thousand or twenty five million, you know that that asset is being uh, taken care of. Uh, th- th- that's great advice, especially for, for real estate. For other assets, if it's mm-hmm. a mutual fund, it's a little bit different. But certainly for real estate, no question about it, uh, I, I can recognize the value the value of that. Mm-hmm. So, so let's move on a little bit here. As we mentioned before, you've been the director of the Lindquist Center for Entrepreneurship at the University of Oregon. And uh, while there, you taught marketing and entrepreneurship. Uh, just briefly, tell us about that whole thing, will you? Well, it's, that was, you know, mid-90s, um, and uh, back in the 90s, and if you can recall, and, and investors listening to this, this podcast, if you can recall, there was, there was a shift 
and in 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 just how people were thinking it was it was moving into the whole telecom uh uh age where this dot com thing was wow look at this dot com thing and somebody could somebody could have a one page business plan that said uh paper dot com <laughs> and with this highfalutin you know if you do if you if you if you have paper.com, you are going to be a tech millionaire. And people bought into it and they believed in it. But it was, it was that kind of uh, frothy in the, you know, up until, you know, 90, late 90s. It was kind of frothy back then. But what was going on in the, in the universities at that time was the understanding that universities and business schools were, were not keeping up with the times. They were just doing research. You know, the big universities were doing research. They were looking at, you know, uh, you know we're going to do statistics and we're going to do marketing. We're going to do this and we're going to do that. But the market was going to go past them. And the client, which is the student, was going to go past them unless they really matched universities with what's really going on in the world. And so it wasn't just the University of Oregon. A number of universities recognized the need to go into entrepreneurship and understand that. And so I was uh, the first director of the center. We had gotten from one of our, um, one of our uh, donors a large uh, donation to the University of Oregon and named it the Lundquist uh, Center for Entrepreneurship. And the center, I was there for three years, and um, and then with each subsequent director, it, uh, that next person took the center to the next level, and 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 it's been extraordinary. I mean, it has put the University of Oregon and the business school on the map. Um, the students have done extraordinary things um, nationally and internationally, and uh, it was a perfect example of how a university. Uh, can look outside its walls and see how how do we serve our students better by serving communities, and that's what they did. It hey, was great. I loved well, it. Well, well, that's great, and congratulations to you and others involved in that. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, and we no longer have the dot com phase. What we have now is the blockchain phase, and so that's how companies <laughs> increase value is they put blockchain in their name, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that creates value and opportunity for many of them here. Right, and you know that is one of the reasons I. I love real estate is that it is it is it is finite. You can't make more of it. You can't I mean this is the earth. This yeah. is what we have and and it's taking that piece of dirt and how is it developed and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day in what we do with multifamily it's a community. It is your apartment building is a community, but that community sits within another community. And it beca- and it's critical. And so when we do value add, and this is how our investors think as well, we may buy a building. And uh, well, let me give you an example. We had we purchased a building in Tacoma in in uh, mid 2014. This was a 14. It was a it's a high rise. It was a high rise. It was partially shuttered. So uh, floors were sh- were shuttered off. Um, it, it had not been renovated in years. Um, it was it overlooked Commencement Bay, but you couldn't see it because it was literally shuttered. And that area of the stadium district, I mean, you wouldn't recognize it hardly today, but 
in the stadium district was was really grungy. People didn't want to walk there at night. And what we saw is, you know, in 2013, we saw that, you know, something crazy is starting to happen in Seattle. We don't exactly know what, but there's stuff going on in Seattle. And at some point, people are going to be pushed south. And we looked at this building and we said, um, this is really, really rough. And it's and it, it's an eyesore in this entire neighborhood. And we did the numbers and, and we were able to purchase it at a very, very good price. And we spent, I don't know, $35,000, $40,000 a unit uh, on that building. And it, it we did it from the inside out, but changing that building and changing the neighborhood and it created an incredible community within the building. But what it also did was it also it also improved the community outside of that building, and and that's how we that's how we think of of multifamily, is that yes, it's a it's a means for growing capital, one hundred percent, absolutely. But one of the important things is is that when you improve a building, you one hundred percent of the time improve the neighborhood, and that. That's very, very important to us. You know, uh, congratulations. Uh, the, the, those are excellent, excellent points. And uh, think of how many people have benefited by you guys going in and renovating and improving one particular building here. Mm-hmm. So a uh, question, Carlin, we'd like to ask all of our guests. What book on investing would you recommend for our listeners? Uh, uh, I, hope I, I hope I don't feel less learned than some of your other uh, other. Uh, subjects here. I read all the journals because, again, it's that whole community thing. Multifamily is only as good as if you understand the dynamics within a community. So I read all the journals, whether it's uh, whether it's Globe Street or Rental Housing Journal or CoStar or Kiplinger or the business journals in every one of our communities. I want to know what's going on in the community. I, I need to know what's going on um, uh, legislat- le- legislatively, what's going on with, with neighborhoods, what's going on with jobs. I read all of those. So when I actually read a book, it tends to be either a murder mystery or uh, the, the one that I just finished was Michelle Obama's Becoming book. Um, I want to read about figures. Uh, uh, before that, I read the Cleopatra book by the biographer um, Stacy Schiff. So it was. it's about the biographies in particular, how is how does a person uh, change whether it's a nation or it's a community or themselves and make it better for other people? So uh, when it comes to investing, I'm reading all the journals. When it comes to, gosh, Carlin, are you sitting uh, next to the river and you are reading a book intensely? If you it's either a biography or a murder mystery. And sometimes those things are the same. Uh, yeah, they, they can be. Um, and, and, but I've got to congratulate you. That's right. We, 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 can't, uh, we can't be singularly focused here. Uh, we need to be uh, complete individuals, and uh, doing other kinds of reading are, are very, very helpful. I say that, although I don't practice it very well, but uh, uh, no question about it. And, and staying up with what's going on in an industry and uh, tangent uh, issues uh, with those industries, very, very important here. No question about it. So for those who would like to know more about IMG, uh, tell us uh, where they can go. 
So you can visit our website, please, and that would be www.imgre.com. So uh, at, at our website, you'll, you'll get lots of stuff about us, as well as if we have a, a recent offering. Uh, you can always call me, too. Um, my email, uh, my phone is 971-888-4010, extension 104. And uh, via our website, you can always get my email address. And I would love to hear from anyone, whether it's questions or comments. That would be um, a wonderful thing. And, Charlie, if I can see one other thing. Please. The other, so folks will ask me what my strategy is. You know, how did you get from here to here? And what I, what I tell everyone is this. You need to start today. Don't wait for something else or you want to buy this or you want to do that. You have to start today. And so whether it's that the way you start today, because maybe you only have, uh, you know, $2,000 in a bank. So maybe today starting is that you are putting $100 a week in an account that you can't touch, or it's $1,000 a week in, account, in a, an account you can't touch. But you have to start today. And every investor I work with that has absolutely been their strategy. I start today. And if you do that and you turn back um, 20 years later, what you're going to find is by starting today, 20 years from now, you will have doubled or, or quadrupled your money. And let me, Charlie, do I have one more, one more minute to tell one other story? Not a problem, Carlin. Okay. We're all ears. So, Okay, excellent. There, because this one is very salient for just this moment, and I thought about it. We have an investor who uh, uh, put $100,000 in a building, and this was about 2003. And, and held that building, little building, held that building because, you know, the, the market completely collapses in 2009, and it starts digging itself out and sells that building in 2013. And so started with 100000 never had any cash flow in the hold, ends up in 2013, so 10 years later with 300000 Does a 1031 exchange. And, and then in, uh, so ten, in 2013, puts that $300,000 in a 24-unit in, a in uh, Portland, Oregon. And this particular investor is, you know, sweat, sweat equity kind of guy. He doesn't take any cash flow. He puts all of it back into the building because the building's pretty rough and the neighborhood's rough, and he kind of believes my community uh, philosophy. Rolls it and rolls it and rolls it. And now, you know, he's mid-60s, and he's like, I'm tired. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to sell this building, which, he, which he's prepped to do and is, is going to sell soon. So when it sells, he's going to have net equity of no less than $2 million. So... What he would tell you is that when it, it took him a long time to save up that money for his first investment, and it was a hundred thousand, yes, but a hundred thousand, you know what? Fifteen years later is two million dollars, and it hurt to get that hundred thousand together to continue to roll. And he's done the sweat equity for fifteen years, but now he's got two million. He'll probably put it into one of my, one of my syndications, and now he can sit back and he can get the fruit of his labor, but it's because at some point he started. And that is the philosophy that I want to, if I can impart anyone, anything to uh, the listeners today, is start today. Excellent point here, and especially uh, focused on real estate 
no question about it. It doesn't happen overnight, but uh, mm-hmm. that's an excellent example of the kind of thing that, that can happen. So uh, for our listeners here, Carlin, final words. Final words? Yeah. Start today. Start today, okay. And and thank you for your time. Hey, hey, thank you very much for being with us, Carlin. We appreciate it, and our best wishes uh, to you and to IMG for continued success. So again, we've been talking with Carlin Conklin, Executive Vice President and Principal at IMG, the Investment Management Group. You've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio. You can go to our website to hear podcasts of all of our interviews and shows, strategicinvestorradio.com. I'm Charlie Wright, wishing you an enjoyable week and productive investing. Strategic Investor Radio is a production of OC Talk Radio and is provided for educational purposes only. Content of this program and the views of the guests should not be considered as recommendations by OC Talk Radio or investment advice from the host, Charlie Wright, or any other entity attached to this production. Investors should always consult qualified financial, investment, tax, or legal professionals prior to investing.